So, you know, these past few weeks, we've kind of spent time really discussing what I would consider like the, the pillars of Christian, you know, the walk of the, of, of the Christian. You know, we talked about repentance. We talked about the holiness of God. We've talked about money. And, and, and I just feel like, you know, we're, we're again, you know, we had that huddle up series, which we technically ended, but it's really been a continuation of that in talking about things that are, that are foundational in our walk with the Lord. And this morning, we're actually going to talk about one of the Ten Commandments. And I'm not sure it gets more foundational than the commandments, right? Uh, the, the Ten Commandments were given, they're written in Exodus chapter 20. God gave them to the Israelites to keep them in relationship with him, to keep them in right standing with him so that they would remember that they are his chosen people, right? And so it's, it's a funny thing about the Ten Commandments and I'm just going to speak from my perspective and where, where I'm at in life, and I'm, but I'm sure most of us can relate to this. If I were to break nine of the commandments that are written down in the Bible, I would be in some sort of hot water, whether it's, you know, merrily or legally or something like that, I would be in trouble to the point where I would probably lose my job if I severely broke one of these nine commandments. And honestly, most of us in this room are in that same boat. It's not just me because I'm a pastor at a church. And the thing about the commandments is they really cross theological lines. Most of them are just good to, to, I mean, you don't need to believe in God to know, you know, don't murder, okay? You know, don't steal. Don't covet your neighbor's wife. You know, honor your father and mother. Those are things that we can all get on board with, no matter our faith. But if we break nine of these commandments, we are going to find ourselves in some sort of trouble. But there's one commandment listed that if I break it as a pastor at Beaches Chapel, I might actually get a pat on the back. I might actually get a great job. You're doing awesome. I might get a raise. Check this out. Beaches Chapel, if I break this commandment over and over again, do you know that it might actually grow? We might actually see more people in here on a Sunday if I were to break this commandment. And let's look at what that is. That commandment is found in Exodus Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 8. This is the message version. I really like this version of how it's written. Exodus chapter 20, uh, 8 through 11. It says, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Work six days and do everything you need to do. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day to God, your God. Don't do any work. Today we're going to talk about rest. We're going to talk about rest today. And I want to ask you all a question, and don't raise your hand, but just be honest with yourself. A simple question. Are you tired? I'll take that as a yes. Are you tired? Are you tired of worrying? Are you tired of working Are you tired of doing and trying and doing and trying and doing and trying and doing and trying? Are you just plain tired? Let me go even further and paint a little picture for you. See if this relates to you. At the end of the day, you get get done whatever you need done. You put your kids to bed, whatever. You clean the dishes in the kitchen and you lay down on the couch. You pop on the TV You veg out to whatever TV show you're into right now for an hour or two, completely done. And you go to bed and you do the same exact thing the next day. And you're a hamster on a wheel. 
Forget that you have no energy for your spouse. You have no energy or time for your kids to play with them, do their homework. Your friends call up and want to go out to dinner or see a movie or this or that, and you just don't have the energy to do that. Forget completely about getting up early the next morning and and having a quiet time with the Lord, with opening your Bible and actually praying for 30 minutes or an hour. Like that's that's so far-fetched, you don't even entertain that. Because you're so tired and you're so done from spinning your wheel that all you can do is collapse on the couch at night and hope that you get through the next day. Because if that's you this morning, I have a very, very important message for you. That is not the life that God intended for you. That is not the life that God wants for you. That is why he has this command in here for us to rest. To rest, think about this for a second. God commanding us to rest is one of the 10 commandments. And the thing about the 10 commandments is there is no hierarchy for them. They're just all there on equal footing, on equal ground. Put it another way. If we look at it like that, not murdering someone is on the same level as resting. That is the importance that God puts on rest. That, that what we think about not killing someone, all right, the importance of not doing that, it is just as important that we take a day to rest. But what we like to do with this command is to justify breaking it over and over. Yeah, but I gotta get this done. Yeah, but I gotta do this. And yeah, but we have this list of things I have to do and over and over and we justify it and we justify it and we justify it and that leads us to breaking it over and over and over and over again and we wonder why we feel the way that we feel. Here's the thing about justifying any sin. You can justify it till the cows come home. That does not make it right. It does not make it right. It might in your own heart and in your head, but it ain't right. And it takes us down a rabbit trail and all of a sudden we get to a point where we're, we're just cracking and we don't know how we got there. And it's because of our own justifying this thing that God has given us to bless us with that we are breaking over and over and over. If God thinks so much of resting that he put it on the list of all these other commandments, then we should probably take it seriously as well. We should probably take it seriously as well. What I wanna do is I wanna break down these three verses in Exodus chapter 20 that talk about rest and really look at it and and see what it means because I think we have to see what it means before we can really apply it. Because if we just take it at face value, oh, rest, okay, yeah, I'll I'll do that when I have time, then we're never gonna get there. But we really need to understand the weight of it, okay? And the first thing that we need to understand about the Sabbath and about rest is that it is holy. The Sabbath is holy. And I want you to honestly ask yourself, because this opened my eyes a lot in my, in my own life, in my own view of it. When was the last time you really considered the Sabbath? When was the last time that you considered rest, a day off, to be something that is holy? We did talk a few weeks about God and his holiness. Now, he is set apart right? And he, he is to be esteemed. Well, we see that about the Sabbath as well. It should be set apart. It should be something that we look at and we approach with reverence, not something that we approach with convenience, not something that we say, I'll do that if it fits my schedule. I mean, do we do that? I mean, hopefully we don't do that with the Lord and his holiness, but we do that with the Sabbath, even though the Bible says that it is holy, And the ultimate number one way 
To keep the Sabbath holy is to put, to put God first in it. And I know I'm preaching to the choir this morning because y'all are sitting in here, but honestly, the best way to keep the Sabbath holy is to come to church, okay? Come to church. You know what the hardest part about coming to church is? Coming to church, right? It's that moment from when you wake up on a Sunday morning to getting here. That space in between is where we fight that battle because we can come up with a million excuses why not to be here. And if I'm, I'm listen, being perfectly candid with you all, the best part about working at a church is the accountability that you have to having to be here on a Sunday morning. Like, it's my job, I gotta be here. And if I wasn't on staff here, if I wasn't, you know, volunteering in some way on a team, I, I couldn't count how many times I'd wake up on a Sunday and go, nah, I'm just gonna pass on that. Waffles sound good this morning. Let's go get some of those. That sounds like Sabbath to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> but here's the thing that happens. When we take that attitude, when we wake up on a Sunday and we say, you know, I'm gonna rest. This is gonna be my day. But rest this morning me, to me means kind of doing my own thing. We might have the best intentions in the world. But what happens is we start to live out our day, whatever your morning looks like, whatever the rest of your day looks like, and those things that you wanted a rest from start creeping back into your mind. And what you intended to be rest becomes very much unrestful. Anxiety starts to creep in. Worry starts to creep in. And this day that you had planned in your mind when you woke up is suddenly gone like that. But when we start our day in church, in the presence of the Lord, we find rest. There is nothing else, nothing else in the world that will give our mind and our soul and our heart rest like the presence of God. Nothing, nothing. How many of y'all already feel different than you did this morning when you came in? Why? Because the presence of God was moving in this place and he gives us rest. He is a God who wants us to rest to the point where he commands it. It's a gift. And we continue to say, nah, I'm good. I'm gonna, I'll do it when it's convenient. But rest is holy. The Sabbath is holy. Second part of this verse, it says, work six days. Do whatever you have to do. Let me, say, let me be perfectly clear about this. this. This message this morning is not an indictment on hard work. Far from it. Far from it. God wants us to be hard workers. He wants us to be. The Bible is, is full of it as well. Study to show thyself approved. You know, it, it's, it's, it's all over the place to the point where even in Proverbs it says that idle hands are the devil's workshop. Think about it practically. If you are a believer and people know that you love Jesus and you're lazy, what kind of witness is that? Honestly. I mean, it's, it's, it's an oxymoron really. So God wants us to work hard for six days. For six days, he wants us to work hard. But on the seventh, he wants us to rest. Listen to this, what, what uh, Paul writes Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6. It says, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. In other words, like, yes, I honor hard work. God honors hard work. But listen to what it says in the verse before that, starting in verse 5. It says, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. And some of us want that crown so hard and we're, we're working. I mean, we are working hard. 
but we're not playing by the rules. We're forgetting about God and we're trying to do it ourselves and we're not getting the crown and we're wondering why. The commandment says work six days, do everything you have to do, but on the seventh, rest. Here's the thing, God loves hard work, he honors hard work, but he will not ever have us put it above him. He will never be second to hard work because he wants to show his glory and his provision in our lives. And we're, if we're so busy trying to do it all, of our, all ourselves, we don't let him in to do that. He doesn't get the glory. We have to let him in. We have to stop for a minute. Let me tell you something. God honors availability a lot more than he does ability. He wants us to be available to him far more than he wants us to try and cultivate our gifts seven days a week. Far more than he wants us to, to just kill ourselves seven days a week. He wants us a whole lot more. He wants our availability. And as good as your intentions might be, it does not validate shutting God out of our lives. It just doesn't. Try as you might. Try to justify it. It doesn't. All right. Third point. This is real simple. Four words. Don't do any work. All right. Really not a lot to say on that. Can't expound on it too much. Not so much any, there's no gray area. There's not a theological debate in there. Don't do any work. Don't. Okay, but work can be defined, I will say this, differently for everybody. And I think what, 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 what the Bible means here is don't, like the work that you do for, that, that you, you know, that is your five days a week here, six days a week, like don't do that. I'll tell you something very strange. My mom, you know, what, you know what brings her rest and peace? Is pulling weeds in the backyard. Like she loves it. I mean, most people, you can't pay them to pull weeds. She's like, how was your day? It was great. I spent two hours this morning pulling weeds. Like it's awesome, you know. Even weirder, I'll look at myself for a second. What brings me rest is running, which Jesse used to ask me, you know, what do you think about? Like, nothing. I don't think about anything. I just get out there and go, and I put worship music on in my headphone, and it's like an escape, because my mind is usually going. Most of the time, it's about nonsense, but still, it's always going. But it, for, for that time that I'm out there, that, so, so rest can, can look different for a lot of us. If you sit in front of a computer all week, you know, rest for you can be going outside and seeing the light of day, you know, whatever that might look like. If you work hard all day, you might not want to go outside at all because you've been out there all week. Plop down on the couch. But, re you know, rest can take all sorts of form. And, you know, we have to be careful what that is for each one of us. But I think, really, we ultimately know what brings us joy, what brings us relaxation. But it's very clear, do not work. Charles Swindoll said that every commandment is for our good and draws us back to God. Every, this is not God trying to torture us or trying to test us. It is for our good. And I really believe that when it comes to rest, it's not just good for our heart and for our mind. It really blesses us in all ways, physically as well. We need rest physically. And so when God commands us to rest, it is for all of the above, which is one, yet another reason why God is so incredible. And also the thing about rest that we need to understand that it isn't just in the commandments. It's throughout the Bible. It's throughout the Bible, and yet we continue to break it. We continue to ignore it. And I want to look at two reasons why we do that. 
There might be more, but I really honestly believe with all my heart that it boils down to these two reasons. And the first reason that we break the commandment to rest is because of our culture. The culture that we live in makes it very, very, very hard for us to rest. Because our culture tells us that if we're not going, 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 then we're being left behind. If we're not doing, 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 then we're lazy, we're a loser, we have no value. And we get on our phone and we get on social media and we see these perfectly placed pictures that everyone has where life looks amazing. We see people's new cars, new houses, all this stuff. And we start to compare ourselves to everybody else and what they have. And suddenly, I don't have time to rest because I got to get that. I got to compete with them. I got to get this. And I have to do, do, do. Because if I don't, I'm going to be left behind. So I don't have time to rest. I got to keep moving. I'm, gonna, I'm trying to be careful here, but I, I'm going to go for it. We as a church, and I don't mean Beaches Chapel, I'm talking about the church, the body of Christ, have got to get over trying to be like the culture around us. We have got to let it go. It is a rabbit that we will chase and chase and chase and we will never catch if we commit ourselves to trying to be like everything around us. It is the complete opposite of what Jesus was like to the point where he was, he was going against the grain of the church, not just the world, but the church. And here we are trying to, to camouflage ourselves to fit in. And what happens? As we're chasing this culture, we are broken on the inside. We have to let go of trying to be like the culture and instead go the opposite way. Because you know what happens when we do? People see a peace in us and they start chasing us. The culture is going to follow us when we abandon trying to be like the culture. But until we do, we are going to be spinning wheels. We're going to be chasing our own tail. It is a rabbit that you cannot catch. Listen, this is crazy. The other day, I was, I was driving here. I was coming up here uh, at night, sometime this week. I don't remember when. And we had had some unexpected things come up this week. It was, it was one of those weeks, you know, just thing after thing. We actually... We, we get back from Disney, surprise, surprise, on, on, on Wednesday. We pull into the driveway, all right, coming from the most magical place on earth, right? And I unlock the door, and I go to get out, and my door won't open. It won't even unlock. All the other doors do. We're going, okay, what's going on? I try and fidget with it. You know, I get, hand Jesse the keys so you can go outside and manually do it. Nope. I can't even pry it open with my finger, I'm like, wow, talk about getting like immediately back into the real world. You know, I can't even get out of the car before I realize like I'm going to have to be, I just, you know, spent some money at Disney, God. I don't really need to spend it on this too. Um, and it was just one of the, you know, an unexpected pill that we did not see coming. And, you know, it's just one of those things. And I'm driving here, coming down Penman Road, and I get to the five way and just, you know, kind of whatever, ho-hum drive. And I look to my left and there's a car in the turn lane really nice SUV, and my first thought was, man, I'm never going to be able to buy Jesse a car like that. And in that moment, I just had, was flooded with doubt and fear and worry and really like just kind of beating up on myself a lot. 
And all it took was for me to go from here to there. Just that little turn of my head. And when we begin to take our eyes off what God has for us and the instructions that he gives us, and we turn and we look at our culture, what happens? We hang our head. We're, filled, we're saying, I'm never going to get that. And then we try and we're exhausted. We're exhausted. All while God is saying, no, I want you to rest. I want you to rest. Listen, listen to one of the commandments that comes before resting. It's in uh, verses 3 through 5. God tells us, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. What's interesting is we break the commandment to rest because we're already breaking another commandment. Because status and success can be a God in our life real quick. Real quick. And so we pursue this false God, this false idol that is status, that is success, and we bypass the commandments that God's given us because we're really, if we're being honest with ourselves, we're pursuing that instead of pursuing him. If we were pursuing him, we would gladly rest because we would know that he's gonna take care of us. But instead, we feel like we need to be validated by our culture by going after these things because that's what our culture says will validate us, will give us our identity, will give us our peace, will give us our joy. But the truth is, none of them ever will. Look at any billionaire who looks like they have everything. They keep going and going and going. Jesus is the only one who will give us that validation and that peace and that joy. And it's not by going the way the culture is going. It's by following after him. So we have to let go of our culture. The second reason is simply this. It's a little more blunt. It's our lack of trust in God. We break that commandment of rest because we don't trust God will provide for us. You might be sitting here going, James, I'm not trying to get status. I'm not trying to make a billion dollars. I'm trying to pay my mortgage. I'm trying to pay my car payment every month. Doesn't matter. God is our provider. Our job is to be obedient to him. His job is to provide for us. And I promise you, if you take him at his word, he will show off how he can provide for you. Amen. So it's not about this or that. There is no excuse. If God has commanded us to do something, there's not, look, he hasn't thought of all the other reasons why not to. Okay, there's no stipulations. Rest on the Sabbath unless. That's not in there. It's just rest on the Sabbath. Part of that is so that we can learn to trust him. Just say, okay, here we go. I want to do something a little different this morning. Bear with me. I want everyone to close your eyes. And I'm going to read um, Psalms 23, 1 through 3. And I want you to picture this in your head. Just picture what David is writing about our God. Listen to these words. This is again out of the message. Everyone, eyes closed. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. 
You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. I'm gonna read one more time. Keep your eyes closed again. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Wow. I believe there's some of us in here this morning that we need to catch our breath. We need to catch our breath. But what a picture that paints of a God who knows what we need. There's no anxiety in that verse. As God is our shepherd, he will lead us. And if he, as our shepherd, is telling us that we need to rest, then we need to rest. We got to do it. And this, this morning, as you leave this place, whether it's with your spouse or by yourself, I want you to really consider what that looks like for you. Sit down and discuss that today over lunch. What does rest look like for us? What can we do different that we can have a day of rest? What day is that on? Might not be on Sunday for you. Might be a different day of the week. And if that's the case, how do we start our day with the Lord on those days? But don't just leave here going, hey, I'm going to do it. I'm going to rest with no plan. It ain't going to work, okay? But go home, talk about it. What does rest look like for us? Because here we see God will lead us in the right direction. I love that. After we take this deep breath, he leads us in the right direction. And a lot of times when we're tired, it's like, uh, you know, have you ever, you ever just get cranky at the house and you say, sorry, I'm just tired. You know, we, we make bad decisions when we're tired. We, we really make bad decisions when we're tired. But when we rest, and we rest in the Lord especially, he sends us in the right direction. So again, as you've been just spinning your wheels, trying to figure out what to do, chances are it's because you're so tired, you're not thinking straight. And you're making terrible decisions. <laughs> you need to rest and let God send you in the right direction. One more verse I want to read. This is out of Matthew chapter 11. Starting in verse 28. We can have the band come on up. It says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you, say it with me, rest. rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find, again, rest, rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is telling the people, if you come to me, what he promises them is rest. You see how important Jesus thinks rest is? What's interesting about this, these couple verses here is Jesus is actually addressing the Sabbath to the people. Because what has happened with the Sabbath in these times and when Jesus is alive is the church has gotten so legalistic that the Sabbath has become this thing that, that the, the Jews have to endure. There's, been all, there's all these lists of things that they have to do and things that ultimately they can't do. They can't cook, they can't clean, they can't prepare, they can't carry, they can't sew. I mean, it's a laundry list of stuff that they are not allowed to do. And think about this for a second. If you can't cook on Sunday, you have to do it all the day before. 
which means the, the, the work that you had the day before is now doubled to prepare for the day that's supposed to be of rest. And so what Jesus is saying here, he's saying, look, it's not about that. You see, Jesus didn't come to fix religion. He came to fix a relationship. It's about a relationship with him. That's why he goes on to say that, look, God didn't make Sabbath or didn't make man for the Sabbath. He made Sabbath for man. This is a gift. This is something for you to enjoy because I love you, because I want you to have peace. I want you to have joy. I don't want you to be broken. Going back to my initial point, if I broke this commandment over and over, the numbers in the church might increase. People might look at me and think, man, James, you're doing great. Staff here is doing awesome. But at home, I'm neglecting my wife, I'm neglecting my family, neglecting my friends, and ultimately I'm neglecting the Lord. And so on the surface, it looks good, but underneath it's awful. And then I break. And what happens to the church then? What happens in your home then? When you're going, 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 and the things that are most important in your life you're neglecting, there's a collapse. You wonder why you hear in the news and read all the time about these pastors that do these things that you just couldn't ever imagine they would do. So they're breaking the commandment. You wonder why people are just turning to all sorts of different things because they're trying to appease culture instead of the Lord. And they're exhausted and they're making terrible decisions. God wants us to come to him. He compared the Jews to beasts of burden. He said, you're like the oxen out in the field that are pulling the plows. That's what you're like. You're like, these, you're like animals that are used for labor. And I wonder how far we are from that. And I just, this morning, wanna tell you all, that's not the life that God intended, but it takes ignoring our culture and trusting that he will provide because he will, he will provide. He wants a relationship with you and he can't have it if you're always going. Your spouse wants a relationship with you. They're not gonna have it if you're always going. Your children, my gosh, our children want a relationship with us. They want us to get down on their eye level and play with them and it can't happen if we're constantly going. We need to take God at his word. We need to believe that these commandments are for our good and draw us back to him. So if that's you this morning, if you're, if you're just tired, you're just tired, you're at your end, I wanna pray for you this morning. I wanna believe that it's over now and you're gonna leave refreshed and you're gonna take God at your word, but you gotta make a plan. You gotta make a plan, write it down, put it on the calendar. If any of y'all are calendar people, I'm a, I'm a calendar person. Put it on your calendar. This is a day of rest. This is Sabbath. And this is what we're gonna do. But trust him and slow down, slow down and taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's stand up this morning. If we could have our pastors and our elders come forward. We're gonna close with some worship. We wanna pray for you this morning, if that's you. We just want to stand in agreement. We just want to stand in agreement with where you're at. But we want to pray for other things as well. If you're sick, if you need healing, if you need provision, 
You want to pray over your finances. Believe that God's going to move. If you don't know Jesus, he's saying, come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. There's nothing else. There's nothing else but Jesus. And if there's anything else you're going through, please, we are a praying church here at Beaches Chapel. We want to pray for you. But we can't do it if you don't get out of your seat. And I'm going to say it again. Nobody cares. Nobody cares if you come up for prayer. The only person that doesn't want you to is the enemy. So come up. Father, thank you so much, Jesus, that you are a God that loves us so much that you actually command us to rest. Where all these other beliefs and all these other religions, people, they have to prove themselves over and over. You say, no, 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 just rest in my goodness. Rest in my love. Rest in my grace. God, help us to do that. Help us, Father, to rest in you. Help us to slow down. Help us to abide in you, Father. To take you at your word. God, this is serious. Some of us in here are broken. Some of us in here are exhausted. And it's, and it's manifesting itself in all sorts of different ways. God, I pray that that would end today. Thank you, Lord, for how much you love us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you need prayer this morning, come on up as we worship.